mind. How are we doing? Good, 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 good. Gosh, I don't know about you, but like as I sang that, and I just thought of just, I mean, I've only had 38 years to live on this planet, but in those 38 years, man, his faithfulness and goodness. Oh, and we're going to talk about it even more this morning, and I'm like, oh, you, you be careful. You, be, you never know what might happen in here for the glory of the Lord. Um, anyways, I'm sorry. I just about had a fit. Um, Acts 1. Acts chapter 1 is where we'll be this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 1. Um, as you're turning there, just a couple things to kind of uh, man, to, to point your attention to, to have you, have you pray for and just be aware of. Um, uh, but the first thing, um, if you grabbed one of those info cards, I think it says new member. Or, if you're a member, not a member, we just love to have a record of you being here. We're trying to get um, our uh, files or our records, all those type of things, uh, who you are, um, kind of get all that stuff up to date. I know people have moved. Kids have gotten older, those type of things. And so if you would uh, please fill those out and get those back to us, you can turn them uh, um, in at the welcome team table out there in the lobby. Um, would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, something else I want to draw your attention to real fast is Zach and Bethany Lake had their little guy, uh, Mason Allen, February 1st. He's 8 pounds, 12 ounces. Um, and so he is just a bundle of joy. They are at home and doing well. Uh, sent me a text last week of him watching. watching. So he's probably the youngest ever to watch, like, New life uh, online, but um, they sent me a picture of like him and they're watching watching the service, and so that was just that was awesome for me um, to see that. And so we're praying for them, be praying for them, um, and then also want to just draw your attention to Donnie and Shannon Lowry who had had their little guy um, this past week. Uh, the thing about him, he has not been able to come home yet. He is actually in the NICU, and they asked me if we would just be praying. Um, his his nostrils are kind of inflamed, uh, and so whenever he takes a bottle, he can't he can't breathe, um, and so. His oxygen levels are kind of up and down, and um, they're just, man, the NICU, I can relate so much of spending 28 days there with our uh, youngest. And so just um, th- those, were, those, those two there, they just asked if you'd be praying for them or for their little guy uh, there. Uh, and then also, as you see, the suitcase is still here. Um, the suitcase is for uh, Brenton Easley, uh, who is in Nepal, uh, a young man in this area that pastors a church that has just got a heart for missions. Um, actually, my brother-in-law and he is over in Nepal. He'll be coming back Wednesday. Uh, that trip is going very well. We're getting some updates and pictures and things like that, and he's doing good, and the gospel's going forth, church. I mean, it is, it's amazing, and I can't wait to have him come and just share some things with us. But I said I was going to leave that there just to remember to pray for him um, and, the, and the going forth of the gospel. So I'm going to ask you if you join me as we open up the service uh, again. Just, we're opening up the preaching time uh, just, just by way of prayer, but those are a few things that we can pray for uh, as well. So join me. Father, just thank you again this opportunity to gather. Father, thank you um, for your goodness and your faithfulness. God, we've sang about that. Lord, as I uh, think of that first song, oh, God, just you have provided. You have been so good. Uh, and so, God, we're, we're going to come to you again and just ask you to move in a mighty way. Father, that, that you would just um, do a work uh, in the life of this little guy in the NICU, Shannon and Donnie. I know just their heart is just turning, and they're just uh, anxious and uh, Father, I just I just pray I just pray for healing. God, I pray that it wouldn't take long that that swelling would come down, that they wouldn't have to do anything other uh, than what little bit they're doing now, and that he would get to come home soon and be uh, in the arms of his mom and dad at home. And so, Lord, I just pray pray for that family, pray for that situation, and Father, for Brenton as he is in Nepal, that the gospel would continue to go forth, lives would be forever changed. God, how awesome is that country? That country, we pray for change in that country forever. Father, that, that the gospel would spread as a result of him going just sharing and telling of your goodness and faithfulness. So, Father, do a work there. We pray. We beg of you. And, Father, even this morning as we open up your word and we dive in and we begin to, to walk through, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just move in a mighty way even in this place this morning. Father, do whatever you see fit in this place for your glory, for our good. Jesus, we 
desperately, desperately need you. And we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so last week, again, we're in a series right now with discipleship, and it's just going to kind of continue just to flow uh, through that. And last week, we just spent our time looking at relationships and the great, great need for personal deepening and faith-building uh, uh, elements to be in, in relationships and what that looks like and what that, what that means. And, and we looked at how we're created for relationship. You see it in the garden in the very beginning. And uh, you see it even, uh, even outside of that in the Godhead, the Father, Son, uh, and the Holy Spirit. They're even at creation. I mean, they're in perfect unison, uh, uh, relationally perfect and good. And you even see there in the creation story, the creation narrative, that God creates and it's good. God creates and it's good. God creates and it's good. And then he gets to this part where he creates. And the first time we see that it's not good is when he sees that Adam's alone. That there's not a helper suitable for Adam. And so we need relationship first and foremost with that of God, with, with that of God. And we get that through Jesus Christ. But, but even outside of that, we were created and made for authentic, real relationships with others. That we definitely, desperately need that. And so we have to, pass, we have to press through the superficial stuff. We have to go deeper. We have to go harder. We have to go longer because it's in that God will accomplish a great work in helping us mature, helping us grow in our faith. There is a great, great need for relationships, which brings us to this morning as we look at that lived out even further. And so we're just going to dive deeper into the heart uh, that just needs to be present when it comes to making disciples. And it's, it's this. It's others-focused. It is being others-focused. And we'll see that heavily uh, saturated in the scriptures that we look at this morning, especially as we we zoom in here shortly in in Acts chapter 2. But to get us to that point, what happens is this, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. You have the disciples, you have the apostles that Jesus had had chosen, and Jesus is kind of there and present. He's been around for close to 40 days, just showing proof of who he is. Uh, Just showing and interacting with his disciples, with his people. And he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's doing those type of things, and he tells them to stay there in Jerusalem and to wait. Wait for the promise that he had made. And that promise that he makes, we're going to see here shortly, is that of the Holy Spirit coming. That of the Holy Spirit uh, invading his people. That of the Holy Spirit taking up residence in his people. And that's what we see there in verse 8 when he says this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he tells them to stay there, be there, and the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit invades their heart, invades their life, takes up residence in them. And church, what we need to understand and realize is it's the same for us. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, when we, we are saved, when we are born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. And we have the same access as what Jesus says here will happen to them. We have power. We have uh, immense power as it pertains to uh, uh, sharing the gospel, as it pertains to living out the things that Christ has called us to live out, as it pertains to even making disciples and walking out relationally with others for the purpose of discipleship. And then he goes on to verse 9 in Acts 1, and it says this, it says this, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, uh, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heavens as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go to heaven. These three verses just kind of always just hit me. I've just found them very, very interesting here, 9 through 11. And it's kind of this, I'm like, why, why are you watching? Why are you just looking? Why are you just watching? There are some things that you need to get to and that you need to be about. 
And my fear is that as I, as I observe the church today, uh, we need to be working while we're watching. We don't need to just be standing there watching. And so often the church just sits back and watches. We need to get involved in the game. We need to uh, uh, be in the game working and doing all the while we're watching. We're anticipating. What are we anticipating? We're anticipating the return of. He told us he's going to come back. He's going to come back. I think the problem is so often we just sit back and wait for his return. We're just satisfied and content. We're just, like, I'm, we're just going to sit here and wait. And I just see this, and I think that, man, this is just a picture of the church. We need to be going. We need to be pursuing. We need to, uh, we need to go after Christ and to do what he's told us to do. We need to be active, actively waiting by while working and watching. We need to be active, not just sitting back, looking, hoping, but actually doing and walking out. So wait is not, not doing. Waiting can be active in pursuing. We're waiting with an eager anticipation, with movement toward the things of Christ, the things that he has said, the things that he has called us to, especially as it pertains to discipleship. We're to be watching, working is what we're to be doing. And then we get to Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26, and you see that Judas here is is replaced. And and, and then after that, we're going to go to Acts 2. But before we get to Acts 2, I I was thinking as I was preparing this week, as I was looking this week, and I can remember stories of me as a kid. My dad's here, so he can tell you. Um, he can confirm these. But I, I can remember stories of me as a kid. And what they used to say about me as a kid is that I was as... Why are you laughing? Like, I haven't even got to it yet. But I think they use words like, he is mean as a rattlesnake. He is as ornery as the day is long. He would get into stuff, and he would just wreak havoc. He would, I mean, those were the kind of like, like ways to describe Scott as a kid. Um, and I think God has like graciously uh, shown me of what that was like as a parent. Um, as I've got three little boys and I get to walk through that quite often and love it, every minute of it. Pray for me. Um, but man, as I was thinking and as I was looking and as, as I'm, I'm just thinking about discipleship, like we, we live in a day and a time where it feels like as believers, we're just getting pounded. We're just getting wore out. We're just getting worked over. It's almost like we, we walk around defeated. And, and as I was reading and as I was thinking and as I was looking at this story and thinking about the Great Commission, thinking about what God's called us to do and to be about as, as his people, uh, it, it reminded me of what I was like as a kid. And I think that we should be more like that as the church, as it pertains to the things of darkness. Uh, like it may feel like we're getting worked over. It may feel like we're getting uh, beat up. But, but in all reality, church, we win. I mean, how, how can we walk around with our tails tucked or, or poor, old, poor old pitiful me when in the end we know we win? We, we know that, that, that in the end that, that, that Christ returns and, and this big epic battle takes place, but it's not a battle like what we see in today's world. It's not like, okay, like, like good and evil and there they are and they're going toe to toe. Like Jesus comes riding in on a white horse, eyes of flame, tongue of a sword, and he just speaks and Satan's done. I mean, he, like, there, there's no like, oh my gosh, are they going to win? Are they not going to? There's none of that. There's just total devastation by the Lord of Lords, by the King of Kings. There's just total de- He just speaks and it's over. And so we need to remember that, that we can cause havoc, that we can wreak havoc as it pertains to the powers at play, and we can frustrate the darkness. And this is how we get involved in the game. All I know is this, is that the Christian life should not be boring. 
If the Christian life for you is boring, it's because you're not walking out and living what we're talking about today. I mean, I don't know about you, what it looks like for you to live it out, to make disciples, to walk this out, or even to be a disciple. But it's anything from boring. I mean, I mean, have you had conversation with people? Have you heard where people are at? Have you uh, uh, dove deeper in and walked relationally with? I mean, man, it is amazing to hear the stories of what God's doing in people's heart, of what's happening. It's amazing to be able to, to talk to people that, that maybe not aren't believers, what they're going through, what they're battling through, and for us to be able to offer hope, for us to be able to, to offer a, a rescue and redemption. And I just believe with everything in me, church, this, this is how we get involved. Do you want to know why the world's like it is today? It's because the church has punted on the responsibility of, of living out what Christ has called us to live out and be in Matthew 28. We're in the predicament we're in today, in this world, in this culture, because we've sidestepped when it comes to making disciples. We have sidestepped. And the reality is this, every single one of us in this room this week has made a disciple. Every single one of us. Like I was standing uh, in the mornings, I, I make breakfast for the boys, and I've got one that is just all about waffles right now. And usually like my, um, my way of like getting that prepared, like I put it in, I pop it down, and like, we're, like he's a chocolate chip waffle guy, he's a kid after my own heart. And so I do it, and it pops up, and then what I do is they're hot, right? So I, I get them, and I usually like tear them, and I'm like doing like this weird like dance thing and tearing it and putting it on the plate, tearing, like trying to get it like that. And then my wife comes through one day, and she makes waffles for him. And she gets them nice and neat, puts them on the plate, circle, and she cuts in the lines. And I'm like, so do you know how I prepare waffles for my boy now? I cut in the lines. And I don't burn my fingers. And I do that weird dance. And they don't watch me funny. I mean, she has made a disciple as it pertains to preparing the waffles for my kids. And so I know that's a goofy illustration of, of the disciple that she's made. But, but I guess the question and the place I would press us is, is where are we being intentional with those type of things? What kind of conversations are we having with our kids? What kind of conversations are we having with our neighbors? What are we, what are we doing in, in the realm of making disciples and raising people up and having those type of conversations? Because people are watching us. People are going to emulate what we emulate, what we do. And is it in a way that's intentional for the glory of our Lord? So Acts 2, this, I mean, and this is our story. It all starts back in Matthew 28. And with his disciples, they follow out and they walk obediently, making other disciples. And we're here today because of their willingness to obey and walk it out. We are present here today because of what's taking place in the Scripture in this day. And so what we know of Acts 2 here is the Holy Spirit comes, and this changes absolutely everything for believers. Right, right. For, for the disciples in Acts 1.8, and now for the rest of the people who come to faith in Christ, they, they are uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so we as people indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God were called for a specific purpose, to witness, to proclaim, to make disciples. And that's what we're going to do. That's what they're going to do. That's what we're called to be about. And then what happens in Acts 2, 1 through 40 is you have, you have Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit indwells those disciples and those believers, and they begin to speak in tongues. And all that means is this, is that they begin to speak in the language of the people that were there. And they could understand what they were saying. They could hear it in their own native uh, language and dialect. And then Peter begins to preach, and he begins to proclaim the truth about Jesus. And then look here in verse 38 of Acts 2. Look at, look at what happens. Look at what happens as a result of that, what the Holy Spirit does here. Acts 2.38, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For the promise is for you and your children and for all, that's us today, the all is us today, that are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Verse 41, so those who received the word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. I mean, think about that for a second, church. One little act of obedience back in Matthew 28. Yeah, go make disciples. Okay. I'm going to be serious about that. The Holy Spirit indwells Peter. What do we know about Peter? Peter Peter's like that cowardly uh, little dude over there that'll, that'll speak real fast, like, like foot and mouth syndrome. Like says dumb stuff sometimes, gets out in front of things that he should, and God indwells him and he begins to proclaim the truth, begins to proclaim about Jesus, and God uses that in such a way as the church explodes onto the scene like never before. One small act of obedience and look what God does to bless. To the point of where we're sitting here today as a result of it. And even when you're looking at this, and you see there it says like uh, that many were added, that 3,000 were added. Really, some estimates say that it was over 5,000 when you include women and children. I mean, so think about that. The church goes from this to now they're busting at the seams. I mean, they, they have blown up all the people that have come to faith in Christ. And so the church is born. Men, women, children, families coming to faith in Christ. And so now it's time to live out what Jesus told them to live out in Matthew 28. Go make disciples. How do they do that? So, so now we're going to see the heart behind discipleship and being others-focused. We're going to see that all the more here. Acts 2.42, and this is where we'll be. And they, they, the original disciples, these new converts, they, what they devoted. Devoted just simply means this. They're given over to. They're devoted to what? Themselves to the apostles' teachings. So the apostles' teachings, remember, it connects back to Matthew 28. Go uh, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's what this is here. They're, uh, they're, they're devoted to that those teachings, so it's God's word, and in this time and in this context, because they didn't have God's word readily available like we do today, they lean in on the apostles, what God had revealed, the truth that he's given them, and so they're looking at, they're following, they're, they're devoted to it. Let me ask you this, how many of you would consider yourselves devoted to the word of God? I mean, how many of you, whenever, whenever we look at this, whenever we think about this and we think about God's word, how many would say, man, man, that, that, that describes me perfectly? And then I've got a hunger and a desire and a passion for the Word of God. Because church, the reality is this, pastor or no pastor, that should be the desire of everyone in this room. How do you get to know God? How do you fall more in love with Him? You spend time with Him? How do you do that? Through His Word? And and so the driving force that the Holy Spirit uses to shape us, to mold us as disciples, is through God's revealed Word. You want to know Him deeper? You want to know his heart? You want to know his nature? You want to know his character? So like when we sing songs like we just sang, when we sing Egypt, do you know that story? That story of rescue and redemption, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, being being mistreated, being taken advantage of, being wore out, making bricks, working their bones, working their fingers to the bones, and they're sick and they're tired of it, and what does God do? God raises up someone to go uh, to Pharaoh, and he raises him up and he goes to Pharaoh. Moses goes to Pharaoh. And and finally, Pharaoh takes notice after all the plagues come. And he finally releases him. And what happens? They get to the Red Sea. Nowhere to go. The the, uh, the army of Egypt right on their tails. What does God do? He splits the sea. They walk through on dry land. And then he closes up the sea to destroy uh, Pharaoh's army. 
I mean, faithful, like when we sing those type things, how do we know that? Because it's in God's word. We know that because we're, we're students of the word. We're hungry for the things of God. And to know the New Testament, we need to know the Old Testament. I mean, the Old Testament is just as vital as the New Testament. Man, without the, the Old Testament, man, the New Testament, we, we don't understand the history, we don't understand uh, the lineage, we don't understand the, the legacy, we don't understand the things that God has done properly. We need the stories of the Old Testament. It meant to, well, because it points to the goodness and the grandeur of our God. And so we've got to have a hunger for God's word. And my fear is that we've become malnourished when it comes to feasting and all that God has, has revealed to us and given to us through his word. I, I can't tell you the amount of times that I get to talk to people, and as I talk to people, I'm just not where I need to be spiritually. Man, I'm just struggling. My wills are just, oh, it's just. And, and the first question I always ask is this, how's your time with the Lord? Well, very few times I've ever had conversations with people that are just struggling or just kind of plugging along barely, just hanging on by by thread. I want to say, how, how, how's your time with the Lord? Man, it's great and vibrant. It's awesome. It, it's usually the opposite. No, it's because I haven't been around the Lord like I need to. I haven't been in his word. I haven't been seeking after him through that. And, and so what we see here is discipleship is always gathered around God's word. His truth, not man's opinions. God's truth, not man's feelings. I mean, our feelings are fleeting, are they not? Man, I, I, let me tell you my day yesterday. Like, I woke up, didn't feel good, had a little headache, had a little thing going on there. I slept heavy, whatever that means. I just felt like, ugh. So I get up, and I'm just like, and so as I go throughout my day, I start to feel better. Or I'll get up, and we'll, um, we'll have something going, something happen. It kind of gets you off your, your routine. It gets you get messes with you. Your feelings kind of uh, up and down. And then, then finally you get to lunch, and ah, oh, everything's better at lunch, is it not? You get your belly full. You, I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. We, we cannot lean on man's opinion. We cannot lean on feelings. We need to know the word of God. We need to know truth. We desperately need truth in our life. Not fe- don't be driven by feelings, emotions. Be driven by the truth of who God is and what he's accomplished and done and what he said. So he says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then he says this, and then to fellowship. What is fellowship? Fellowship is the association with, especially those that have the same interest. So the first factor in discipleship is, is being a student of the word, having a hunger and desire for the word, getting to know God through his word. And then the second factor is that of discipleship is, is this, and I believe it's one of the biggest and most overlooked uh, factors out there. It's It's fellowship. It's doing life together is what it is. Doing life together. You want to grow and mature as a disciple? This is how you do it. You do it through fellowship. This is what they were doing in this day. This is what we need to be doing in our day. And I know that there's so many factors and things that have robbed us from true fellowship with one another. And I believe it's intentional time that needs to be spent outside the walls of this church. It's intentional time together outside the walls of this church. And so when you see the word fellowship here, it's this thought of to, to stimulate one another towards righteousness and obedience. How many would define their relationships that way? Man, that I'm a stimulant. I'm a stimulant in people's lives, all right. But how many would define your life that way, that you're a stimulant in someone else's life, what, to, to propel them towards righteousness and obedience? That, that they look more like Jesus and less like the world as a result of hanging out and being around you. That, that you take fellowship to that place. And so what I would press you with this morning is this, who, who other than your immediate family have you spent time with doing life together outside these four walls this past week? I mean, who have you been around? Who have you talked to? 
Who have you walked with? What has that looked like? And let's take it even a step further. What about this morning in this place? If someone new walks through these doors, church, it's our responsibility, those of us that are here, our responsibility to make them feel welcome and wanted, to go introduce ourselves. I mean, they're coming into a place they don't know. And so this is another great way to do that is to go meet people here and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, and introduce yourselves and, and then invite them out for something. Invite them uh, in a way that you can get to know them deeper. It's our responsibility. So for those of us that have been here any length of time, any length of time, if we don't know people, it's our fault. If we're not familiar with it, it's our fault. And we've got to fight the urge. Hear me. We've got to fight the urge to just be welcoming and not inviting. Let me try to explain what I'm talking about here. See, we'll say hey and have small talk, but we never invite them into our life. We'll say hey and kind of have small talk and see them from the side and, and wave for a moment. And, and then we never pull them in and invite them in. We are the most shut off people that there has ever been. The most known shut off people that there's ever been. And, and I think social media has robbed from us the reality of what relationship, the reality of what fellowship looks like and should be about. We'll show everything. We'll show everything on social media, will we not? But we won't care for someone enough to actually invite them to, out in real life. Uh, like, like we'll, we'll type, I'll pray for you, brother, but we won't pick up the phone and call them and pray for them over the phone. Or we'll say, hey, we care for you, man, but we won't take them a meal to their house whenever something horrific happens. Like we'll love them through the airways, but we won't love them in real life enough to invite them in or to, to walk with them. And I guess maybe a way to, to, to even just kind of push on us for a moment here is this, do you linger after this? Like, do you linger? Or do you jet for the car? Or do you bolt to get your kids because the, the, the buffet is going to get full? I mean, what's the desire? Is it the appetite of the stomach or the appetite of fellowship? Getting to know one another. Because hear me, we will not be and honor God the way we need to if we're not walking relationally with each other. If we're not fellowshipping with one another. And we're going to see here in a minute what that really looks like in the early church and, and how, how we, we have missed it, I believe. So just hang back from time to time. See somebody new and go, go say, hey, have meaningful conversation with them. That maybe will even eventually lead to lunch after church. That will maybe even eventually lead to them coming over to your house one day through the week. That will maybe even eventually lead to you name it as it pertains to getting to know and walking with. So being welcoming is great, but we, we just can't, church, we can't leave it there. We need to have fellowship, true relationship, investing and inviting people into our life. I just believe God does a, an amazing work through relationships. So he goes on and he says this. He says, to breaking of bread. This is just participation, participation in, the, in the Lord's Supper. Uh, like, like we understand what we do there, right? Whenever we, we take of the elements of the cross, we're proclaiming to the world that we believe Jesus is who he says he is until he comes. That's what it says. And when we, so when we break the bread and we take the bread and we eat of the bread and we take the juice and we drink of the juice, we, we, we're reminded of all that Christ has done for us on the cross. It says that they, that they would do that. And then they would pray, as Austin led us this morning in prayer. I mean, prayer is, I believe, something in, in believers and even in the church that has just kind of, uh, kind of made its way out. That we're, we're not focused near enough on praying and spending time praying for one another and just loving each other that way, but it's just spending time before God. It's calling out to God. There's dependency on God. There's, there's intimacy on God that, that or with God. That's what prayer is. And then look at what happens in verse 43 here. It says, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. There it is. 
There it is. All who believed were together and had all things in common. The thing that they had in common was that of Christ. I don't care who you cheer for. I don't care who you're rooting for today at, at about 6 o'clock, whenever we get ready, to, the whistle blows and they go at it. Even back in Thanksgiving when it comes to Clemson and Carolina, I don't give a rip which team wins. I could care less at the end of the day who you're cheering for, or what's, what's the greatest desire there, or, 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 or any of that kind of shallow type stuff. Man, our commonality is not orange. Our commonality is not garnet. Our commonality isn't even we're, we're from the north or from the south or we're a South Carolinian. or we're, our, That's not our commonality. Church, our commonality is that of Christ. Jesus is what we have in common. Why? Because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the scriptures would let us know that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, mess with somebody like that. Hey, how many brothers and sisters you got? Oh, gosh, dude. Oh, man, last calculation. I think it's saying like, oh, millions. <laughs> do what? How many moms do you have? I mean, would that not mess with, but is that not the truth? Because, why? Because our commonality, our bond is that as, as adopted, adopted people. We're do, adopted children in Christ. Jesus is our common thread that holds us together. That's what it is. I think we need to, I think we need to get back to that church. I think we need, to, we need to revisit that often, that the thing that we have in common, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how young you are, I don't care uh, what your walk of life looks like now or, or where you work. or what you, uh, Man, our commonality is that of Jesus. Do you love Jesus? So do I. Let's get together. L- let's do something. C- come over. Hang out with us. That's where we need to get to. We need to spend time together investing in one another, loving one another, caring for one another. When was the last time you just went to somebody's house just to pray for them? I mean, you just... You just Maybe go invited, not uninvited, but either way, however you do it, we're brothers and sisters, right? So there's always an open standing at my house for family. I'll work through that later. But when was the last time you went over and prayed for somebody? Or, or you went over and took communion, communion together? Man, got serious about what we see here as it pertains to walking with Christ, growing and maturing. So Jesus is the commonality that we all share. And then the second thing that we're going to see here, and I just love this, they, they held their own possessions with a light grip. They were ready to use their stuff at any moment for someone else when it needed a rose. When it needed a rose. Look, look at what all things in common drove these people to do here in verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Man, they really cared for one another, didn't they? It was more than just saying, hey, man, I love you. If I can ever do anything for you. You have people like that in your life? Hey, you ever need something? Let me know. And then you call them and they don't answer. And you call them and they don't answer. And you call them and they don't answer. Then you email and you text. Man, what, what if we as the church, what if we as believers, what if we live this way? You're not going to be able to make it this month? I got gotcha. you. Well, well how, I didn't know you made I don't make that kind of money, but I can sell this. I can get rid of that. I mean, I can do this. I mean, is, is that, I mean, that's a different way to live. And I know what kind of creeps in. Yeah, but they're probably in that situation because who cares? Like, there's no clause there. Are they a fellow believer? Well, let's do something to help them out and walk with them and care for them. We'll, we'll deal with the, how they got in that situation as we go. But, but there's not like a well stipulation here, okay? Uh, and they were selling their possessions as long as they checked out to be okay. 
As long as they prayed three times this week, as long as they, that nonsense is not there. No, they were just committed enough to each other, regardless of how they got in that situation. Man, we're going to take care of our people. We're going to walk, we're family. We've got, our commonality is that of Jesus. And that's how the early church did it. So let me ask you, who did you care for this week? Who did you care for in a way that it hurt? I'm not talking about like surface level, shallow. I mean, who did you really care for? Who, who did you care for in this manner? Who, who are you connected to enough to live this out with? I mean, I mean this is crazy. You want to talk about, we want to talk about being radical for Jesus? I mean, let's find some needs and let's, let's meet those needs. And, and, and yeah, I mean, little to big, who cares? You, you, want to talk, you want to talk about creating havoc in the world? When we start acting like that and living like that. So I was made aware of a situation about three weeks ago. And it was, uh, it was brought to me and, um, and wanted to get involved. And I, I said, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, we, we, can, we can do something. We can, we can do something. And then I said, no, 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 I don't, I don't, like, I don't want to bring it to the church I said, why don't we do this? Like, I'm walking with the men's group. Like, we're, we're, we're doing that. And we say we love each other and our commonality. We come together, we eat breakfast, we hang out, we talk about Jesus, we pray. We're, we're trying to do this a little bit. We're trying to be more intentional with it. And I said, man, what, what, if, what, if I approach, what if I approach my brothers in Christ? And, and so I just, I shoot out a text message. I said, hey, man, guys need some help. I said, um, there's a guy in our group who is trying to walk this out and live, live this out with somebody. And this, this has been brought to my attention, and I said, hey, and I didn't even tell them how much we needed. I just want to see if they'd be obedient. I said, hey, w- what if we helped in this situation? And the situation was this. My man in the church is walking with somebody who um, is, is uh, riding a moped to work every day, 30 miles one way to work. And his moped broke down to the point of it's not repairable. I mean, like he's duct taping the plastic parts together, they said. I mean, so it's not just like a little, little band-aid on it, let's get it going. No, no, no. It's, he needs a new one. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what the going rate for a moped is. But my man told me, he said, hey, we, I've got some friends at work. They said, they're in. They're, they're going to they're gonna throw in some. I said, so, so we need to raise some money. I said, all right. So I shoot out a message to our men's group. All we needed was 700. We came back with over 900 bucks. I mean, that's what it looks like. Look at this. Look at this right here. There he is. Oh, man, he's smiling. That's in the back. What? Yeah. Because what this does, this helps provide for his family. This helps him get to work. This is a means. And you know what? Our guy gets to continue to, 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 to um, uh, share the gospel, gets to continue to, to walk with him, gets to continue to tell him about Jesus. And this takes, does this not take it to the next level? I mean, I love you. Not that much, but I love you. No, no, no. I, I love you. It, it's even going to hurt. We're going fi- to figure out a way. We're going to figure out, if we have to write a check, we're going to do whatever we got to do to make it happen. And so now this guy, it just, it just took the follower of Jesus up to the next level, did it not? I mean, he don't know those guys. I mean, he's been in a group a couple times, but he don't know us. He don't know the sacrifice that was made. He, he don't know what it took. But, I mean, we got to be the hands and feet of Christ as we got to meet a need. We got to be the hands and feet of Jesus as we got to meet that need. And then look as it continues, verse 46, and day by day attending the temple together. This is just where they worship. This would be uh, pointing us to, to praise, a, a daily focus for the believer there is what it was, day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their home so they would eat together. 
They received their food with gladness and generous heart. It's just doing life together. They cared for one another. They loved each other enough to invite people over to have dinner. And I know we live in a different day and time, but my gosh, maybe we need to go back. You know, I mean, I mean we're all about advancing and technology and being more proficient and efficient and all of these things. But, but what if what that's done is it's just sped us up so much that we've, that, that we've overlooked how to live and to love and to do fellowship? I mean, it says that they were doing this day to day, worshiping together day to day, breaking bread together in their homes day to day. That's how they were connected, church. I mean, the closest relationships we should have should be with those in the church. The closest relationships that we have with people should be those that we're worshiping with, that we're around, that we're serving with. Those in the church, those other believers with that commonality. As he goes on in verse 47, he says, Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Wow. So maybe we've gotten it all wrong. Like we try to think of programs, we try to think of creative ways, we try to think of this, and we try to think of that, on, on how, to, how, to, how to see God build his church, how to see God to do a work in his church. And maybe all we need to do is we just need to love people better. Maybe all we need to do is, is practice fellowship with people. I mean, I could only imagine what would happen is if word starts to spread, if we started living like this, what would take place? of what God would do in our community, what he would do spreading out of our community, what he would do in the nations. I mean, you've got to understand that. What takes place here? What, it's not long until persecution comes. Why? Because they were just standing around watching. Persecution comes, and what, what happens with persecution? They, they flee. And it's just God's strategic plan to get the gospel to the nations. It's God's strategic plan to get them, get them outside of their comfort here in this area and, and to spread them. And they go. And you know what's great is we, we've already got that going on. We've got people who live in Inman. We've got people who live in Bowling Springs. We've got people who live in Chesney. We've got people who live in Greer. We've got, I mean, we're, we're spread. What if we lived like this, what it would do for the glory and honor of Christ? What, how would Christ build his church if we lived that way? Well, we see it here so much so that he adds to their number daily those who are being saved. Daily. And I believe that happens is because that's anti-cultural. Uh, that, that's anti the way of our day. I mean, the word for our day is, is, is do whatever you got to do to get ahead. Hoard as much as you can hoard. Grab everything that you can grab. You, you, you at Costco, get, get 10 things of paper towels and toilet paper. Why? Because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. There could be another who knows what. That's what our world and our culture teaches. That's what it says. Do whatever you got to do to get ahead. You be the best. You be the first. You be this and you be that. It's all about you, 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 you. And really, maybe it's not all about us. It's all about him. And as it's all about him, then we get to make it all about everybody else. And it takes the pressure all off of us. I mean, do you know the pressure whenever you make it all about you? Do you know how miserable it is to make it all about you? I mean, when you get left out of something, your feelings get hurt. I mean, when you don't know something, you're devastated. And whenever you live in a way to say, who cares? It's all about him. And that pressure is gone. Who, who cares if I know about it or don't know about it? Who cares if I get invited or don't get invited? Who cares if it's not all about me? Well, because I want to make it all about him. And when we make it all about him, look at what happens. Man, I, I can't imagine the impact we would have in our world if we lived like this. I believe we'd see the same results. God would add to our number day by day. Those who come to know him. And so when we live lives out relationally as a life, and at the core of it is this motivation here that we see here, 
there's an environment that is conducive for a great move of God. When we live this way, there is an environment that is conducive for a great move of God. So maybe the reason why we haven't seen God move like we've seen here is because we're not living this way. Maybe discipleship is a cute little word or fellowship's a nice little thing. Yeah, okay, I'll tolerate people for a little bit. I'll put up with them for a while. And so maybe the problem is we, we don't have an environment that's conducive for a great move of God because we've made it all about us. Preference, me, what I like, what I don't like. I've got to be number one. I've got to know. I've got to be, you mean you want me, how much, you want what? Your kid, can you, he asked me for 10 bucks. Well, what's it going for? Are we sure that it's going to go for that? Like, like oh, well, why, why, why is he driving that? Why is he on a moped? Who cares? Let's just be the hands and feet of Why are they standing at the corner? Who cares? Uh, let's engage him and let's meet a need and then let's see. Uh, because I believe, and Tommy Reimer said this a few weeks ago here in this place um, on, on a Wednesday night. If we give up for God, it doesn't matter what the motive on the other side is. You hear me? If we do it for the glory of the Lord, that's on them how they spend it or what they do with it. But maybe that'll be a door that opens, that allows us to walk through. Why? So we can engage relationally to this way. Maybe this is a door that opens that allows us to have an ear for them and they trust us. Now they get to trust us and we get to build a relationship and they actually hear what we have to say. So as the band comes back up and what we see here take place, the heart behind it, the early church lived out their faith in relational environments for the purpose of discipleship. I mean, they are doing life together. They did their part and what happens? God does his And with that, people believe and they're adopted in as the family of God. See, people were looking 2,000 years ago just like they're looking today. I mean, they want to see something. They are hungry. They're hungry for hope. They're hungry for for more. And so what we see here in this moment in Acts 2 is the church is birthed onto the scene. We, We see people living upside down, loving, giving, caring, showing hope. They saw something that were, they were absolutely willing to die for. They saw the church of Jesus being the church of Jesus. They saw fellowship and relationship in a way that they had never experienced and saw before. Because they lived in a day much like ours. It was all about me. It was all about self. How can I get ahead? How can I succeed? How can I have more? How can I be? How can I this? How can I do that? How can I... And what we see here is that when God invades and he takes up residence in the heart of the believer. Now our desires start to match that of his. Our heart starts to match that of his. And so what I would ask you is this here. Is this a picture of the church that you know today? Universal. Is this the way the church lives today? Is this the way that the fellow believers live today? Let's get a little bit more intentional. What about us? Is this the way that we're living? Man, who are you looking to bless? Who are you looking to serve? Who are you inviting into your home? This is what it looked like for us this week. Tuesday night, we had somebody at our house till one o'clock. And we get up at six. The Miller house starts to get alive about six o'clock. Now, not all of them, but mama, and then I kind of roll out, and I get that waffle thing going, and it's just a glorious, glorious moment. I get some music going in there in the kitchen, and we just we get that thing done. But one o'clock, just talking and loving on somebody, just hearing about what God's doing in their heart and in their life. 
Who did you have in your home this week? Who, who did you meet for lunch? Who did you have coffee with? Is this a picture of, of us as the church new life? Or just what about you individually? Is this a picture of how you live your life as a believer? I mean, the thing that they should say about us, they may think that we're crazy, they may think that we're bigots, they may think that we're zealous, they may think that we, uh, all of these definitions that they may use to throw at us, but they had better be saying, I mean, those people, as crazy as they are, they're compassionate. They just care. I mean, those people, as crazy as they are, they, they, just, they won't quit giving. I mean, those people, as crazy as they are, I mean, they just won't quit loving. I mean, those people, as crazy, like, like, they just won't quit inviting me over to their house to eat. I mean, I think they are as batty as the day is long, but man, I mean, they have me over to eat lunch. They have me over to eat. They bring my kids these gifts out of nowhere. I mean, they care for. That's how we should be defined. That's how we should be looked at. That's what we see happening in the early church. Well, because that's a product of discipleship. Well, because we have relationship, and as we have relationship, we see where needs arise, and we get to walk in those needs, and we get to meet those needs, and we get to be the hands and feet of Christ in the life of others. And God will add to his church daily. I guarantee you that. We start living like this church in six months. We're not knocking out walls because we send the people out. I don't want to knock out walls. I mean, I want to plant a church in Greer. I want to plant a church up in Tron. I want to plant a church over in Chesney. I want to plant a church uh, over uh, in, in Spartanburg on the west side. I want to plant a church over on the east side. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like a new life. Let's not build new life. Let's build, let's build, let's build Jesus. Let's build this model. Let, let, let's do this. That's what I'm praying for. I mean, that we, we would be crazy enough to believe what Jesus has said and that we would do it, and, and he, he'll add to it day by day. But I guarantee you one thing, if we live like this, six months, there isn't a seat in this place. There's not just one service, there's five services, to which I'm not a five-service type pastor. I know somebody's like, oh, he's not really a one-service pastor, but hey, God. But what I mean is this, is now we, now we can send out. Man, I'm praying for the day when we have the first hundred up here that we send out. Oh, no, no, they're going there. We're going to pray. These are our people that we're sending out. We're going to pray for. We're going to commission them to go be, to be over there planting a church, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to a place that needs it, living this type of life out in an area that needs it. So I don't know what God stirred in your heart this morning. I don't know what your experience of church has been like before. But man, my hope and my prayer is that we get to this place. And so if you have questions about the gospel, if you have questions about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to get involved and plugged in, that's why we're having, that's why we're having the ministry fair. Man, we've got small groups coming. So there's another way to get involved relationally. We've, we've got different ministry teams out there that you can be a part of. That's another way to get involved relationally and walk with people. We don't, my heart, I don't want you to just come here and sit. If you come here and sit, I hope you just get sick of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I want you to come and serve and give your life away. I want you to get involved. I want, I want, us, I want us to live this way. So we want to put those ministries before. We, we want you to be a part of ministry around here. We want you to give your life away because I don't know if you ever heard it this way, but I believe you have something to bring to the table. I believe you have something vital that this church needs, and it's you. It's your personality. It's your gifts. It's your wirings. It's, it's you. We, we want you. We want to hear your story. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. There, there are many more people in this room they would have the opportunity to, to counsel with and walk with somebody because they've been through something than what I could. So it's not about the guy that stands on the stage. It's about the people of God getting involved and being the people of God in other people's lives. I mean, some of you have got some amazing stories. And man, how, how there's probably couples in this room that are struggling. 
And there's people in this room that have walked through that and have battled through that. And now their marriage is strong as ever. There's some of you that, that are having babies. I mean, good gosh, if new life's known for anything, man, we can pop out some babies. That is awesome. But there's people in this room that is, that is years down the road from having babies, and they've walked through the same place that we're walking through. Man, the encouragement that they can give us, the way that they can love on us and help us, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're praying for, a move of God in that way, that people give their life away and get connected with one another. And so I don't know what God stirred in your heart, but you be obedient this morning. If you want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Christ, man, I would love to talk with you that. If you want to pray, you come pray. The, the ministry fair is going to be open. We would love to get to know you more out there. We're just going to linger for a while. We're going to linger around here for a while. I don't care what time the buffet starts, man. We, we're, going to, we're going to love on people and get to know you. And we, want to, and we want to answer questions and walk with you, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. But you be obedient. Father, help us this morning to follow you. Help us this morning to be obedient to what you've called us to. God, help us. Help us. Get over us so we can be about other people, so we can care for other people that way. God, I, I pray. I pray that we get more stories like this. Father, I know, I know of stories of our women's ministry getting together and baking uh, uh, baking casseroles to take to people. God, I, I know that the, I know of the men's group coming together and mulching. I know, I know that there's just so many, so many opportunities that we've been a part of. I think of the backpack ministry. Father, where we get to just be a small, play a small role. So, Father, I'm just, I'm just asking for more. I ask God for more that you would help us walk out this way. Help us be like the early church is. Have a passion and desire for people to see your glory made known. Your great name to go forth. Let me pray. Amen. 